Welcome to the Light Bears Institute podcast, where we seek to improve biblical literacy by discussing key storylines and themes in Scripture. Welcome back to our Light Bears podcast. I'm Brett Art with Light Bears Fayetteville. And once again, we are continuing our walkthrough of Old Testament survey and to give us uh, so much wisdom on more of the Old Testament. We have the one and only Matt Newman with mm. us today. He's going to unpack Jeremiah and Lamentations, and he is by far the tallest guy we've had so far do the podcast. Congratulations, Matt. Wow. It makes a big deal when I'm sitting down as well. But it, it does. Every time I get introduced to, at Light Bears to teach, you my are. introduction that, that, that's is, why we have he you. is our tallest teacher. He, he is the tallest, by far. Somebody has to carry that mantle. North, you, and that's you, solely. Yeah. North of six, south of seven. Yeah, if you ask me face-to-face, I say two foot 56. <laughs> so for all you math majors, go for it. Yeah. Uh, what is that? Six foot eight. Six foot eight. Wow. Yeah. Which means he's tall. You were tall. very tall. Tall. Uh, Matt, give us a... Um, Give us a super brief, not that we don't want to know more, but give us a super brief, who are you? Yeah. Um, what do you do? My name is Matt Newman. Uh, the, the origin of my story starts in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Mm. Go pack. One block from the Shekinah glory of Lambeau Field, <laughs> in which then I've uh, ventured forth to, the, to, uh, to Arkansas. And uh, I'm a father of two, husband of one. And happy to be here. I've been at Fellowship Mosaic for 11 years. I've been in ministry for almost 20 years now. And I have done student to family. Um, And then about five years ago, I got demoted to adult ministry. I lead community and uh, preach frequently at Mosaic on Saturday night Mm -hmm. up in uh, Rogers, Arkansas. And it is a joy, privilege, and blessing. So Matt has, um, for those listening, if you don't know Matt, He's been a partner for ours since the beginning of Institute. And so uh, you've taught Jeremiah Lamentations many a time. Many a time. I'll uh, even say this, Brett. We haven't, we haven't said this yet. I was in the board meeting in wow. which they, we were talking about what are we going to do with these houses that we have? And, and I recall the original conversation that says, y'all just need to bail on these houses and go buy a big apartment and start doing Institutes. And it was like... Were you, a, did, did you vote? Did you have a vote? Were you a yay or nay on that? I was loud. I yeah. don't remember if we like did a hand raise. I was just like, I think the Lord has spoken. I think we need to move that way. And then about six months later, uh, Woodway came up, came available and it just has unfolded since then. Lo so, and behold. Yeah, that's, I've not seen my 2% commission check. Yeah, that's, on that it's decision, coming. It's still coming. But uh, I was a part of that meeting. That was, that was fun. Uh, fun. Uh, here's a fun light bearers tidbit, history tidbit. Uh, our very own Andrew Brill. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's been on this podcast many times was actually against getting the apartments. I remember that. I think he uh, voted nay. He did. And, uh, but me and my mother-in-law's voice rung yeah, out over, loud and true. And, and <laughs> in spite of Andrew's folly, praise the Lord, we do yeah. have apartments and we moved away. So. We settled in the game of one-on-one in which he didn't <laughs> score on me once. Um, that broke jump shot of his yeah, did not that, jump through yeah, once again. Absolutely. And plus you're, you're also, you, you blocked him all. You're six, eight. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a humble six, eight, yeah. but <laughs> I, I did. <laughs> Uh, are we so, going to talk about the Bible? We, yeah, we should talk about Jeremiah Lamentations. <laughs> so, uh, so we're going to talk about Jeremiah Lamentations. Uh, great books. So we are in the prophet section so far. Uh, who Jeremiah is a prophet. Yes. Uh, in Lamentations, uh, many believe it was was written by Jeremiah. Correct. His laments, see, yes, yes. His laments. Yes. Um. So so before we kind of dive in, give us mm. just a little historical background. Yeah. 
Uh, tell us a little more about Jeremiah. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, I would say geographically, Israel is in a uh, sweet spot of of land, and and everybody wants it. It's on the trade routes. It's on the uh, it's on the waterfronts, um, and so everyone from pristine real estate, yeah, Assyria to Babylon to Egypt, um, all has their fingers in the cookie jar, wanting to take Israel. And uh, as history unfolds, they you know, as, as the promises also do, they're going to be an oppressed people. Um, and so Jeremiah sits right in the middle of that. In fact, it's the, it's the, the historical prophetic book that, that at the end of it, they are going to be taken away. Mm. Um, and so, you know, we get this, we get this guy called at a young age and, you know, chapter one, just his a very original calling, um, that he's going to preach a message that's going to be unheard. And so the, the historical background is turmoil and stress. I mean, every, everything needs to be read um, as if the pounding on the front door about to be taken captive is happening. Mm. Um, and Jeremiah's tone is, is repent. And so the theological background is um, really far less complicated. They, they mm. have turned from God. They've, yeah. Um, I, I believe it's two five that says you've gone after worthlessness and you've become worthless mm. or one translation, you've gone after emptiness and you've become empty. Um, and so this young man has a hard message that won't be heard, um, without one recorded convert. And, uh, by the end of the chapter, they're going to be, they're going to be marched away. Um, so it's intense. And, and in Lamentations, this is his poem. Which laments he, of that. I mean, yeah. it, it, and it is, it's a good message for, I mean, just what you're saying. Here's a guy who seems faithful to preach what the Lord has said. Yeah. And in the end, yeah. not a single convert. And so that, I mean, talk about a message. It's good for even young people in ministry, but any believer of, right. of, Hey, the, the, we need to be faithful regardless of, yeah. of the fruit. Yeah. You know, when, when you look at any book of the Bible, you say it's not written to us, but it's written for us. Mm-hmm. And so I think one of the reasons I love Jeremiah so much is that um, there really is practicalities for, our own ministry, but then our own lives as well. And right. so chapter one, his calling, um, you know, the first, the first three verses give, give just kind of the timeline of who are the Kings and where are the places and what's going on. Um, and then the word of the Lord came to him, which is going to be a phrase that's repeated throughout the book and really kind of displays this, this intimate connection that he has with God of just hearing God's voice and responding to God's voice. And, and, you know, it is so personal because even in his initial calling, his first response is, Oh no, you didn't, <laughs> you know, he's, he's don't, don't put this on me. I'm, I'm over, only a kid and I'm afraid and I don't want to do this. Um, and God in his, in his just abounding steadfast and, you know, intimate way says, I'm going to put the words in your mouth. Mm. I'm going to put you in the positions exactly what I want. Even, even when they don't see on a worldly level, like they're going to be successful. Um, all you have to do is deliver the words that I put right. in your mouth. Um, and so chapter one is, is his initial calling. And then just again, out of the grace of God, almost like two kind of practice sessions, which is kind of fun. Hey, what do you see? Jeremiah says it. And these are practice sessions that actually come to fruition. Um, but, but twice he says that. And then he says, all right, game time, time to, time to get in there and go after and get to work. Uh, and, and so then he goes and he delivers his first right. message in chapter two. What, um, I mean, I remember you speaking on chapter two and, in I mean, there's a larger, relatively larger prophet book. Um, what would you say are maybe some of the key chapters, mm-hmm. uh, that, that if, if somebody hasn't read Jeremiah or is new to say, Hey, read this, read mm-hmm. this chapter, 
Sure. Uh, well, what are those chapters and, and, yeah. and maybe what, what are some of the themes in those chapters? So to me, there's the, the four chapters that I use personally the most in ministry. And so this is good stuff. We're getting, yeah. I mean, just, yeah. just practical. Like yeah. you sit down for, for coffee with somebody and people tend to struggle with their purpose, right? Struggle mm-hmm. with their sin life, uh, struggle with depression, sadness, or anxiety. Um, I would say the the three primary chapters of those three issues, I go back to Jeremiah. Hmm. And then there's a fourth chapter that I think is critical for just, just understanding the context of the whole Bible. There's a major right. turning point in Jeremiah, um, and that's the introduction of the New Covenant. Hmm. So, so the four chapters that I would go to is when somebody's struggling with their purpose or their calling, I would go to chapter one, specifically sink my teeth into verse five of what, did it, what does it mean to be formed? What does it mean to be known? Hmm. What does it mean to be consecrated? What does it mean to be appointed? Um, and and to connect that with what God has for us. <laughs> yeah. If we are in Christ, if the Holy Spirit resides in us, we too are formed, known, consecrated, and appointed. And, and I think that's significant for each of our callings, sure. um, especially in the light of, you know, Jeremiah's life is seemingly a disaster, right. and yet God, Hard. Yeah. <laughs> God drew it up that way for, yeah. for a very purpose. So calling, I would go to chapter one. Uh, sin, I would go to chapter two. Um, in, in which you have that verse five worthlessness, you, you, you end up worthless, but then, um, you know, that just call of God through Jeremiah from verse 11 to about 13 has a nation changed gods, even though there are no gods, but my people have changed or exchanged as one translation Mm. says their glory for that, which does not profit Mm. be appalled. O heavens at this be shocked, be utterly desolate declares the Lord for my people have committed two evils. They've forsaken me, the fountain of living water and hewed out cisterns for themselves, Mm. broken sisters that can hold no water. Mm. And then the reality of each of our sin life is the, the sin of omission and the sin of commission omission. We, stop going to the fountain of living water. We mm. stop going to all that God promises can be found in him. And commission, we give that life to other things. Right. And it could be as as simple and, you know, seemingly honest as work or marriage or kids, mm. or it could be as devastating as uh, sex or pornography or yeah. drugs yeah. Or, or addictions of a thousand kinds. Um, and yet all of those are, are a sin of commission, breaking the first commandment, putting other gods over right. God. So I would go chapter one for calling, chapter two for sin. Um, one of my personal chapters, and I, I shared this in the Institute time, was chapter uh, 13. Is this the, uh, the the on the donkey? The, yeah, this no, is the, good this one. the this donkey. Is... It's the story that's never told. And, you know, the, the movie title in the, the, the Bible says the ruined loincloth. And, and mm-hmm. some translators... Uh, say it was a belt. Some say it was like a, you know ancient pair of tidy whities and we'll we'll go with the belt just to avoid unfortunate metaphors. Um, but yeah, he's in a place of total depression. Total like, has God left me? Is this is this story done? Nobody's listening to me. Which I think anybody who's a follower of Jesus and especially those that I think have a have a ministry perspective have felt that. Yeah. Oh, like, absolutely. Like this is worthless. This is not working. I preach and nobody listens. Um, and he says, bury a belt 150 miles away. So he takes a donkey for two weeks, rides there, two weeks back. And then the next message is, go unbury the belt. So again, two weeks back, <laughs> digs up the belt. And then, uh, you know, he says it there. He says, just as this uh, belt is ruined, so I have made mm-hmm. my people, or, I'm sorry, just as a belt clings to man, I've made this belt to cling. I made my people to cling to me. I butchered that verse. Maybe I should actually read it and not attempt to quote it. Um, 
Uh, there it is, verse 11, 13, 11. For as the loincloth clings to the waist of a man, mm. so I made the whole house of Israel and the whole house of Judah to cling to me, declares the Lord, that they might be for me a people, a name, a praise, and a glory. But they would not listen. Mm. And, uh, you know, I, it feels like a turning point in Jeremiah's ministry where he realizes success is not in numbers, success is not in measurables. Um, success, as as my mentor tells me every time we meet, no matter what question I ask him, <laughs> success is intimacy with God is the mm. purpose of life. Yeah. Um, and, and so that we are created to be a people that cling to God. Mm. Um, and so, I mean, how applicable is that, whether we're yeah, in our depression absolutely. or in our stagnant stages of, of, of work life or mentor life or college student life or whatever is... Um, all of this, any situation that we find ourselves in is ordained by a sovereign God who's drawing us to himself that we would cling mm. to him. Mm. And that's huge. So chapter one, calling chapter two, sin, chapter three, just weariness, depression, doubt, all those things. And and then a good way to remi- remember there's chapter 13 and there's chapter 31 and, and 31 is where the new covenant is introduced, mm. um, which while there are definitely other prophets and other prophecies, um, I'm teaching and doing a lot of teaching in Isaiah right now and tons of prophecies that right. point ahead to Jesus and, and, and he who's going to come. But in chapter 31 um, is just one of the, 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 the sweetest introductions of how the old covenant is going to be done away with. Mm. The new covenant is going to be replaced. And, and we're going to find that fulfillment that mm. the Holy Spirit is going to be put on the hearts of that the word of God is going to be put in the hearts of the believers that mm. they would know him personally, no longer having to go through a conduit of a high priest and, or a system of law, but now the word will mm. be written in their hearts. Um, and then it points ahead to a day, which, which most scholars say, you know, at Pentecost, as, mm. as the Holy Spirit goes out to the believers, a diverse people gathered there, um, that the church is born. And, and the mm. roots of that story of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, starting Jeremiah 31. That's so we've got, uh, which I think on the teaching pack we might have sent out, but one of the verses we staff are, are verses, but one of the themes we have is God glorifying himself by dwelling with the Holy Covenant people. Mm. And that chapter's huge. Uh, of, mm-hmm. I mean, just as you're saying of, hey, this is the church, the Holy Spirit falling, dwelling with, mm-hmm. I mean, it j- just you, you see, and we've seen so far in this podcast, mm. uh, and scripture tells us, but, but the Lord, his plan to glorify himself by creating himself a people, a church that he might dwell with them. That's good. And that's big. Yeah. I mean, that's, so that's great. That's yeah. great. What's maybe a theme or, or a message in Jeremiah that, that, that you would say is particularly mm. good for, for maybe someone who's 18 to 25, maybe like a light bearer student age. Boy, that's good. You know, I, I I'm just, I'm just wooed by chapter two and chapter 13. I yeah. know we've said it once, but just, I think we give our lives to lesser things. Right. Um, I, I, I think that it's so easy to, uh, worship that, that we're interested in rather than, mm. you know, the created rather than the creator. Mm. And, and, and that is ultimately, I mean, Jeremiah gives lots of messages, but, but that is his message yeah. that, that we've lost sight of God. Um, and then in that, as he's been called at a young age to do it, it is, is ministry and life, yeah. you know, it, it's discouraging and, and it's just a lot <laughs> less like, Pizzazzy than I think we <laughs> we, we imagine it's sure. going to be. Um, I think we all have this perception of uh, getting getting to be big time. Yeah. Um, uh, another one of my my dear friends and mentors, he says, "Don't strive to be spectacular; strive yeah. to be faithful." That's good. Um, and yeah. I think that's another message in there that that Jeremiah wasn't telling the people; God was telling Jeremiah. Yeah. 
you know, his, Hey, reposition what success is. It's not making Mm -hmm. it. It's not, it's not even get this. It's not even turning Israel, uh, and, and, and changing their trajectory. It's I've called you Jeremiah to cling to me and to be faithful to the words I've put in your mouth. That's just a whole rewriting of what success in life looks like. Which, which honestly for young students or, or young people who are, uh, in college, getting a degree, uh, wanting to be successful. I mean, just to, to remember, of, hey, cling to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Success is not what the world says. That's huge. Yeah. That's big. Um, so you mentioned Jeremiah um, had, a, had a hard ministry, per se. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so, so after uh, Jeremiah, not really after, but we, we have lamentations, his laments mm-hmm. of the hardship of his ministry. G- give us just a kind of a brief what is Lamentations? I mean, kind of give us a little bit of context there. Yeah, yeah. So there's five chapters in Lamentations. Um, one, two, four, and five all have 22 verses in it, and chapter three has 66 yeah, verses. This, you've counted. You've yeah, yeah. You can look right now. It's in there. <laughs> uh, it's built as a poem. Yeah. Um, and so you know, and and it's it it starts out with. Let me flip there real quick. Uh, how lonely sits the city that was full of people. How mm-hmm. like a widow she has become. She was great among the nations. She who was a princess among the provinces, she has become a slave. Mm. Um, and so there's hard metaphors used of what what Israel was. You know, they were they were a bride. They were beautiful. They were a princess. And in their sin, what they became, mm. and they became slaves. Mm. I mean, the word whore is used. Mm. Um, and just how we, how they, and also how we so, so quickly just abandon the lover of yeah. our soul yeah. and, and Father God. Mm. Um, and so it's a hard book. It is, you know, you think it's written and lamenting, you read it with a Kleenex cause, cause it's just like, oof, duh. you know, you yeah. just want to, you just want to feel it. Um, I think the climax and I think just even the way the poem is built and how a lot of, uh, you know, scriptural liter- literature is, is written. You know, we, we tend to write stories, um, that find their climax at, at the end, you right. know? And so, baby Moana is on the island. She leaves, <laughs> she leaves, she gets over the wave. She gets back the hook. She gets, um, the, the, the big tattooed guy all the way to the end that she, she Maui, Maui. Oh, yeah. And then she, yeah. she beats the fire guy and, you know, then, then the island turns nice again or whatever, yeah. you know, it's like there, there's an uprising kind of story arc right. that finishes with the climax. That's a lot of, uh, biblical literature is, is written more like a point. Hmm. Um, and so the top of the point and the bottom of the point mirror each other, but you really find kind of the crux of the matter and the climax of the message, the point of it in the middle. Hmm. Um, and so, I mean, one of my, maybe my favorite passage in the whole Bible, my, Hmm. my, uh, my wake up in the morning and repeat it again, um, is right in the middle of lamentations. Um, it's, it's verse 21 through, through 24. But this I recall to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Mm. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore I will hope in him. Mm. And in 25, the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. Mm. And it's that much more meaningful because the the 20 verses before that are just a dumpster fire right. <laughs> of how hard and bad life has gotten all the way to the point that he says, 17, my soul is bereft of peace and I have forgotten what happiness yeah. is. So I said, my endurance has perished and so has my hope. Yeah. Those are big phrases. Yeah. Like my hope in God has died. My endurance is over. I don't know what to do. Um, 
But then there's this simple just discipline. This I recall to mind, and therefore I have hope. Mm. And then he just goes right back to, he really goes back to doctrine. You know, the steadfast yeah. love of the Lord. That's the Hebrew has said. That's the never ending, always lasting, you know, never giving up love of God, no matter how far we we drift from him, his love will never end. Mm. Um, and, and they're new every morning, which I, I just love that phrase because his mercies are new every morning, which means I need them every morning, yeah. which, which yeah. how many times I blow it. Uh, there, there's never that last time that says that was enough. Right. There's always the, Praise God. Yeah. The, the, the new sunrise and the new morning that says, uh, his mercies are new. And that, that's a, that's a beautiful thing. Um, they're more, they're my portion says my soul. I have hope in him. And then I love 25. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. Mm. And waiting and seeking don't seem like the same thing. Those seem like opposites. How can I wait and seek? Um, And yet somewhere in that kind of, what's the word? Is it dichotomy? The the opposite. Somewhere in that, you know. (laughs) I'll trust you. Holding those two (laughs) things, you you know, much of the Christian life is waiting. Yeah. And, And so here's, you know, applicable looking to the 18 to 25 year old. How many times we're waiting for an answer, getting discouraged or right. distracted because we don't have one. And and just want to reiterate, the Christian life is waiting because right. in the waiting we are formed. Yeah. Um, and so when success is not answers, when success is intimacy, mm. then waiting causes us to lean into God and seek that's God, good. depend on God. And get this, I think oftentimes that's what the purpose is all along. Yeah. It's actually not to make a decision and 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 start something new or go to a new job or get married or you, you know whatever that next stage of life you're in, mm. it's to need God that yeah. that he has created us and crafted us to be needy and that he would be our need fulfiller. Yeah. Um and that's found in the waiting. Yeah. And so waiting and seeking becomes kind of the the two railroad tracks that are, that our trains should run on. Man, I love I'll repeat it because I thought it was good, but, but just that, that, that message of it's not necessarily the answers, but, but, but it's the intimacy. Mm-hmm. Praise God. I mean, mm-hmm. well, what a, uh, I mean, that's good for me mm-hmm. uh, of even this morning of man, that's good. Mm. Uh, good point. That's great. Praise God. His word. Someone told us to me yeah. he was <laughs> passing on the baton. So, um, one of the things, and, and this, Matt, this might be a little hard to do, um, because we, we there's not a whiteboard. So as, as best as you can, I don't know if you mm-hmm. can kind of explain this. One of the things I love that you did um, when, when you taught for us is, is uh, you kind of took us through really what you call this gospel framework mm-hmm. uh, and, and read, did lamentations kind of through this gospel framework. Yeah. I believe you said, I mean, it's, it's really a way to study scripture in which you can yeah. filter scripture, kind of this gospel framework. Yeah. I think that's, that's so helpful for, for, for us as believers, particularly the students as uh, it's a good method of how to study scripture, of how, mm-hmm. how to, look at look at scripture through that lens that gospel lens yeah would you explain that a little bit again i sure. know it's kind of hard we don't have a whiteboard but yeah that's fine uh explain as best you can in podcast land yeah what is that how yeah. to do that yeah and i'll just if you're podcasting this and you're sitting down probably not behind a steering wheel that wouldn't be wise but, <laughs> yeah please. Um, please you know if you have access to a pen and a piece of paper or a napkin is is write it down let that be the whiteboard mm-hmm. it'll make a lot more sense so uh, I find myself in situations constantly that people will ask questions or say things, and I don't have a clue how to answer. Yeah, they'll ask, "What does a scripture mean?" And I'll be like, "Holy smokes, uh, I don't know." Mm. Um, and so this is the the gospel framework has been a tool for counseling, uh, been a tool for studying scripture, understanding scripture, um, and honestly, just reorienting our tendencies. Of we just always have the tendencies to not place God first, and, and, and so. So this reorients us to place God first. And so it's, just, it's based off four questions. And so write these questions left to right. Who is God? 
what has he done? Who am I? And what do I do? Hmm. So I'll say him one more time. Who is God? And that's a doctrine question. Uh, what has he done? That's the gospel question. Who am I? That's an identity question. And what do I do? That's an action question. And so our, our sin propensities will cause us to work right to left. And, and here's what that means. The way that I feel uh, inevitably affects the way I see myself and it inevitably changes the way that we view the gospel, that God saves sinners through Jesus. And, you know, there, there becomes Swiss cheese holes in that we start to say, well, I'm supposed to be feel hope, but I only feel hopeless. I don't know if the gospel is true. Mm. So all of a sudden we form opinions about God. Mm. Um, and, and we were created to to begin with God first and foremost. Mm. And so, you know, even if you're sitting down for a devotional time, just use those four questions as a yeah. guide. Where do you see God? What, what what do you see as a timeless theological truth of, mm. of a statement of God that will not change? Um, and begin with that doctrine question. Then go to what are the actions that God has done mm. through his son, Jesus, uh, by, and then sending his Holy Spirit in us? How What has God done to 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 change us, to restore us, to redeem us? Um, and then identity, what what does the text lead us to believe um, who we are? You know, are, are, are we an heir of Christ? Are we a son of God? Or have we been, um, we were foreigners, but we've been brought together as, as family. That's Ephesians 2. Have we been, mm. you know, reconnected into peace? Um, and then, and then what do I do? And, and one of the, it's not funny. I I think it's, you know, purposeful and and of the Lord is when you have your list on the top of that chart, working right to left, and then you see what scripture leads you to left to right. Mm. Oftentimes they're opposites. And and isn't that funny is the actions that my gut tells me to do oftentimes are are not the actions that come out of what Christ and scripture lead me to. Um, and, and, you know, this is a strong term, but you wonder, is that the essence of sin? That is an anti-Christ. When, right, we, yeah. when we let Absolutely. ourselves become the, the, the God of our decisions, uh, we inevitably replace us on the throne of our lives instead of God mm-hmm. and, and his son Christ, uh, his son Jesus. Um, so, yeah, that tool, um, I mean, the hardest questions that I've encountered um, I'll you put just, them through that filter. I'll write. I'll actually take out a piece of paper and be, "Hey, before I answer that question, let's just let's use a piece of paper. I wanna, I want you to think through. And let, let me help create a structure for you to help think through this. Yeah. I'll write out those four questions and I'll ask the person whatever question that may be. Hey, what are you acting, feeling, thinking right now? They'll give me words. Cool. Hey, if you know, if you had a T-shirt on that had one word that would describe who you are, what is your identity? What would that word say? That's a that's a question yeah. that really gets at people's heart. Um, all right, gospel question. If if uh, the gospel were supposed to be, we have hope, um, and yet all we feel is hopelessness. What does that mean? The gospel that's supposed to give us hope, mm. all the way up to what do you believe about God? Right. And um, people that are choosing sin, people that are choosing exactly what Jeremiah two was talking about, um, to to omit God as the fountain of living water and replace that with with lesser things. Um, it is inevitable yeah. that they start there's cracks in their theology and they yeah. start lessening their view of God. And that's the point that I'll pause them and I'll say, Hey, let me just show you a couple of scriptures that, that kind of flip this script for you. Mm-hmm. And and it's like the light comes on and you know, the, the chapters that I tend to bring people to that just really nicely walk through that. And there's several, but the, but, but the three or four that I go to often are Lamentations three. I think mm-hmm. that's a, that leads us there really well. Uh, Psalm 77 is one that starts out really despairing, and then there's a turning point, and then really God exalting. Um, Psalm 73, there's another turning point right in the middle mm-hmm. of that. Uh, and there's so many more, but but those are three that are yeah. just off the top of my head. I would, I mean, just again, I 
appreciate it. I thought it was really good. So again, if, if, if you're listening, if you're a student um, and want to study scripture, learn how to study scripture more, that's a great method. Or even mm-hmm. if, if I know uh, some, some of our mentors listen to this, uh, use this method uh, yeah. of maybe that's something you can do with, with, with your students. Mm-hmm. Take uh, any passage of scripture, as Matt said, and put it through that filter. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, but that's, yeah. I love that, man. I think that's really That's good. a preaching script that we use at Mosaic. Yeah. And so we don't always like frame it like verbally well, sure. like that. But, you know, as we're reading a verse where we just finished a Galatians series, the way that I'll frame my message is what do we see about God here? What do we see that he's done on our behalf through the gospel? Mm-hmm. Um, how, how does that change the person that you are, the way that you see yourself? And, mm-hmm. then, and then how are you going to live tomorrow differently? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it, it's really, it's a God-man response. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Uh, in it, I mean, and I'll speak from from just personal experience, but uh, that praise God that changed how I read Scripture. Uh, it, it no longer makes Scripture about man or myself, uh, but but it makes it more Christ mm-hmm. uh, Christ centered, mm-hmm. God centered. And so, I uh, really appreciate that. Well, man, um, that's all we need to know about Lamentations. You covered it. You wow, it. you're there. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> Good. Well, uh, thanks for coming, man. Yeah. And uh, we will bug you again. What a privilege. Thanks. You've been listening to the Light Bears Institute podcast, a production of Light Bears Ministries. For more information, visit lightbears.com. Mm-hmm.